You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. just doing the right in their own eyes, not really following the government of God or the law of God. God has been completely washed away of the picture. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our higher institutions of higher learning. It's happening because what they're doing is they're changing history. They're they're taking God out of the history and they're rewriting history. They're rewriting history. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that the world operates on the basis of desire. If something feels right or good, regardless of what the Bible or anything else says, that is what people do. This thought process is in opposition to the Bible. God wants what is best for you, so he puts rules in place to protect you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 17. As he begins his message, a nation crumbles from within. Please turn into your Bibles, if you have one, to Judges 17. So, we're at the point in the book of Judges that as far as the history, it ends here. Samson was the last judge of Israel. But you're going to say, well, wait a minute, there's five more chapters. Well, you're right, there are five more chapters. But they're not in chronological order. These five chapters are almost like an appendix of a, of a book. They're, they're almost like an add-on. And for some reason, the, the writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, put this at the end. Many believe that these chapters actually took place earlier. These chapters actually took place earlier. But when we look at these chapters, it really tells us of the moral conditions of the nation of Israel. Now, this all happened, remember, Judges follows the book of Joshua. So sometime in that time was when this happened. So we need to shift gears in our mind, if you want, and kind of go into reverse. We've come to the end of the chronological order. Samson was the last judge, as we said. So as we come into chapter 17, we see the nation Israel in a state of confusion and beginning to crumble. This once mighty, mighty nation, a people of God, a people selected and chosen by God, a people ordained by God, a people who enjoyed God's presence, marched triumphantly through the land of Canaan, conquering every place they went. Every place you put your foot, Joshua, I have given to you. But they now begin to disintegrate. They disintegrate both morally and spiritually. And they start by disgracing the Lord's name. Look in verse in chapter 17, 2 verse 6. 
Verse 6 tells us the crux of the problem. The crux of the problem. Verse 6 in chapter 17 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And here is the problem. Here's the problem that we're facing. And as we read through this chapter, we see a complete disregard for the word of God. A complete disregard for his commandments that he had given to them and told them time and time and time again, if you would but obey these commandments, you will be blessed. Blessed beyond belief. And even when they didn't obey the commandments, they were blessed. Remember, Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. Theocracy means governed of God. The term Israel means governed of God. Israel was supposed to be God's people. As we had previously studied, when we looked at government in the book of Romans, as we studied the book of Romans, we said that the Lord has established three institutions in society. He's established these institutions according to his word and according to his purpose. The institutions are simply three. The home, government, and the worshiping community. These are the institutions that the Lord has established. The home is the basis of society. The home is the basis of society. And when God made Adam and Eve, husband and wife, he established marriage. He laid the foundation for society upon which all humans would build. Sadly, when the foundation crumbles and begins to fall apart, so does society. Look at our world today. Look at our beloved nation today. As the family disintegrates from within, as the definition of marriage has been changed, as all these other things that have come in and ripped marriage apart, look what has happened. We see a disintegration of our society as it falls apart from within. In Psalm 11 verse 3 it says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do if the foundation is destroyed? Our foundation is Jesus Christ. He is the rock upon which this church is built. He is the church. and We are his people. He is our head. He governs the church by his spirit. And we follow his lead. And if your foundation be built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, you will never fall. But when we start to leave that foundation, when we start to leave that stronghold of Jesus Christ, things happen, usually not good things. Anytime God becomes a low priority in our personal relationships, it has a trickle-down effect. It has a trickle-down effect, and pretty soon, every single part of life is affected. Every single part of life is affected when God is no longer a priority. So we see these major areas of life, they start to fall apart in the nation as they place the relationship with the Lord on the back burner. 
It's no longer as important as it used to be. They are looking for other ways to solve their problems, for other ways to do things. They are no longer trusting in the one true living God. A God, by the way, who guided them through the wilderness. Their clothes never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. There was food always. They had manna from heaven. They had quail to eat. They always had water every time they turned around. A God who continually provided for them constantly, day after day after day after day. And when they got into the land, who went before them and destroyed their enemy completely. Now they turned their back on him and said, we don't trust you anymore. Our way's better. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking of our founding fathers right now. Now, we, or me in my lifetime, I'm a lot older than most of you, me in my lifetime, well, me in my lifetime, I can look back to the 50s when Madeline Mary O'Hare, her son who went to school was an atheist and got against prayer and prayer was taken out of school. Now, I was a school teacher for 37 years. I saw the result of that. And so it continues. So it continues, even today. I don't even want to talk about today. I don't even want to go there. Don't even go there to think that a young girl would have to share a bathroom with a boy or a guy is repulsive. Folks, it's as simple as that. And that's just not right. But this is what's happening in Israel. They've thrown away. They lost the fact that God wanted to be their king. They didn't need anyone but God. He wanted to lead them and guide them. They lost the consciousness of this fact. When they were wandering through the wilderness, they were very aware of that fact. Why? Because his presence was seen. The cloud by day to protect them from the sun. The fire by night to give them warmth. In the morning when the cloud moved, they packed up their gear and they followed the cloud. Every man, every man, rather than being ruled by God, the scripture says, was now doing right in their own eyes. This can only be described with one word. It's called anarchy. Anarchy. Everybody did just what they wanted to do, what was right in his own own eyes. Everybody just relate to the experience, and you should relate to it. There really isn't any wrong. There really isn't any right. There's no absolutes. There's nothing like that. If it feels good, do it. If it feels right, do it. This is a kind of anarchy there. Everyone just doing the right in their own eyes, not really following the government of God or the law of God. God has been completely washed away of the picture. It's happening in our schools. It's happening in our higher institutions of higher learning. It's happening because what they're doing is they're changing history. They're they're taking God out of the history and they're rewriting history. They're rewriting history. So that's the whole premise of where we're going in these next five chapters. That's the whole premise of what's happening here. So as we look To chapter 17, we see in the first six verses, we're going to meet the family. Now, there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The 11,000 shekels of silver that were taken from you, on which you put a curse, even saying it to my ears, here is the silver with me, I took it. And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my son. 
So when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Thus, he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith. And he made it into a carved image and a molded image. And they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and had an ephod and household idols. And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Micah lives with his family and he lives with his extended family. This is the way they lived back then. Usually the entire clan would live together. Mom, dad, mother, grandmothers, grandfathers, great-grandmothers, great-grandfathers. I can imagine back in Adam and Abraham days, there must have been hundreds of people all living together. They were all related. Because they all stayed together. That was what they did. It's very interesting to me that the name Micah means like Jehovah. Like Jehovah. And we're going to read that he does not live up to his name whatsoever. He does not live up to his name. So, someone stole 1,100 shekels from mom. When we get over to Judges 17.10, it says that Micah offered this Levite 10 shekels a year, and he took it, so it must have been a fair wage. So if 10 shekels was a yearly salary, 1,100 shekels was nothing less than a fortune. Nothing left than a fortune. That was a lot of money back then. So the mother puts a curse on the thief, not knowing she was cursing her son. <laughs> Sadly, it was the fear of the curse that brought Micah back to, to confess. It wasn't the fear of the Lord. It was the fear of the curse that brought him back. And he fessed up to stealing the money, and he returns the stolen shekels. So mother somehow neutralizes the curse, however that's done, and she blesses her son and then she says that the money is to be dedicated to the Lord. I love this. Right, right away, her heart is right. Well, wait a minute. She's dedicating the money to the Lord. What a wonderful, godly woman. Eh, not so fast there. I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son. To make a carved image and a molded image? Excuse me? This reveals the, the, the spiritual character of the nation at the time. Regardless of what the image was, this was highly forbidden by the Lord. And you can read about it in Exodus 4, Exodus 20, verses 4 and 5. It's part of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, am your God. I am a jealous God. So, obviously, they're breaking this. Why does man want to make God into his image? Why does man want to make God into his image? I like to say that in the beginning, God created man in his image. And for centuries now, man has been trying to return the favor. All he wants to do is make God into his image. We're constantly doing that with, with birds and things of the air. Trying to return the favor to God. Even today, we have carved idols. Even today, we have idols. We have them. They're in many homes and there are shrines and people worship them. People bow before them. There are shrines in our homes. They bow before them. They take on many, many different faces, many, many different things, but they're there. Some people have one that is so big, takes up the entire room. 
and it comes in many colors and it's called HD and it's huge. That becomes their God. That becomes their shrine. That becomes what they live for. Sadly enough, there's even carved images in churches, carved images everywhere in churches and people worship them. You can really see the decline and the confusion with this family. In just these few verses, they managed to break almost every single commandment of God. Go back and look at the Ten Commandments, and you can see that they've broken just about every single one. First of all, Micah didn't honor his mother or father. He stole from them. There's two right there. And then he lies about it. There's another one. He coveted the silver before he took it. There's another one. He worshiped in a place other than the tabernacle. There's another one. And he ordained his own son as a priest. He's breaking all these commandments of God. He's on a tear. And the scary part is, this is the scary part. All the time they did it, they thought they were serving the Lord. And although the family may have been very, very sincere, they were sincerely wrong. They were sincerely wrong They were wrong in their knowledge about who God was. They were wrong in their knowledge. And this can happen to us, folks. It can happen. We have got to be ever so careful. Micah and his family did not submit to the authority of God's word. And their home became a place of confusion and religious moral confusion and just debauchery. Let me ask you a quick question. As you read through the scriptures... Who has been deemed the author of a confusion? Satan, yeah. See how crafty he can be? See how crafty he can be as he weaves his web and as he does these things? It makes it look so good. Well, I'm serving God. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing all these things for the Lord. Let me throw a name out to you. You probably might have heard of this guy. But he thought he was doing everything for the Lord. He thought that he was on the Lord's side. And what he used to do is he used to go into the places where these Christians would meet and he would drag them out and he would take them and they would put them on trial and sometimes they killed him. Yeah. Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. Oh, how wrong was he? He was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. He thought he was doing it for God. Look at the home of Micah and compare it with the home of America today. Now, not all homes. I'm just using home as a general tale, okay? There are not all homes like that. But money is king. Money becomes king and it becomes their God. Either making it, spending it, whatever. That's their God. Money is their God. It's their king. It leads the family and the family worships it. Let's get as much as we can. Let's amass as much money as we possibly can. Children steal from their parents and then they lie about it. There's no honor in the family, not only to the mother and father, but there's no honor against for each other as well. The only thing that provides information, the only thing that provides guidance is that box that sits in front of them that they turn on every night. It's called a TV. That's the only thing that they get their guidance from. From that, they know how to treat their parents. They know that all men are buffoons and are crazy and that women rule the world and that if you don't have certain products, you're nothing. 
That's what you learn from TV. Oh, and by the way, sex, 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 and more sex. And language. My gosh. My wife and I were looking for a movie the other day, and we turned on a certain movie, and it just started. Like, here it comes. Here comes the opening, opening credits. We're sitting there looking at them. And then they come on, and they started to speak. Within the first three minutes, they said the F word so many times, I didn't know what the heck they were saying. It's like, what? Click, turned it right off. Holy mackerel. All we wanted to do was sit and watch a movie. And we're bombarded by this stuff. But this is what they know. The true living God is pushed aside. You're made fun of if you worship the true living God. Family that goes to church, oh, we'll find something on you. We'll find some nasty stuff on you and we're going to report it. Today's modern culture regards being godless with everybody doing right in their own eye as their ideal state of society. Because if there's no God, there's no accountability. If there's no God, I have nothing to answer to and I can do whatever is right in my own eyes. But we know better. The Bible and common sense should tell us that this kind of moral and spiritual social anarchy brings nothing but destruction. History proves it time and time and time and time again. Proverbs 14.12 says, there's a, same, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. When a man follows his own instincts, his own inclinations, it leads to ruins. I learned this such a hard way in my life before Christ. I learned this in such a difficult time. We need to follow God's way and not our own. This nation that we now live in would once again flourish if every family would make Christ the head. Social issues would not exist if every family made Christ the head of the family. If everybody submitted to Jesus Christ, crime would be non-existent. Peace would reign in the neighborhoods. Right would be right. See, godly homes are the foundation of not only a moral society, but a just society as well. This great confusion in the home of Micah, this great confusion starts this downward spiral of the whole nation. Because we're assuming now that this home is probably representative of a lot of the homes in Israel at this time. So we see this great confusion in the home, and next we see this great confusion in ministry. Exactly what is ministry? And there's a confusion that exists. Let's read the rest of the chapter. Beginning in verse 7. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, Dwell with me, be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and they lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah say, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as priest. You are a sure. 
The Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. Each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to Himself, showing His power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. They follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and He's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.